morning I'm gonna preach part two. If you weren't here last week, it's all okay. I'm gonna give you a quick recap there. You can go back, watch it online if you need to. Uh, I'm gonna dig into a passage of Scripture found in Luke chapter two. Uh, it's a story when Jesus was 12 years of age. Is we know a fair bit of detail about Jesus' birth and His infant years. And then there's a gap of like about 10 years. And then we get this story. And then there's a further gap of His life for about 18 years until He's about 30 when He enters into ministry. But there's a significant story here at 12 years of age, which I think is so uh, for us in this day in which we are living. Uh, But one of the remarkable things about this story, it is wedged between two passages of increase and growth and enlargement around the life of Jesus. And as I preach this message to you, I just don't wanna preach a number of words, but I wanna prophesy into your life as an individual, as family, into your business, the increase of God. Is that we serve a God who's not a God of diminishing returns, but a God of exponential increase and growth and enlargement. We sang it today, is as He positions us to do a place of overflow as we choose Him. And so let's pick up this story and have a look at it. I'll give you a recap and then we'll go into some new thoughts today. Verse 40, it says, And the child, speaking of Jesus, grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. We haven't heard uh, anything about Jesus' life for about 10 years. And now God just busts out saying, my son Jesus is that he's becoming strong in spirit, is being filled with wisdom, and the incredible grace of God is upon him. And in verse 41, it says, And his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years of age, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to be in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. And so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. The the focus word out of this whole passage is that word return, which means uh, it's an act of coming or going back to a person, a place or a condition. Uh, My first thought out of last week is who we have with us is more important than where we are going. It's the journey with others is so much more valuable than the destination that we're actually heading to. And so here, the family, Jesus' family, mum and dad, other siblings, that every year they go down to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, the great historical event of the deliverance of the nation of Israel from 400 years of bondage and slavery. And so they go down to celebrate this historical event year after year. And I in order to get this whole message, we've got to get this thought is that who you and I have with us is more important than where we are going. And so the family is bringing Jesus to celebrate the Passover. They are bringing the Lamb of God whose blood's gonna be shed for all of humanity to celebrate the historical event of Passover. Over, that they are bringing the healer to celebrate their day of healing, that they are bringing the Redeemer to celebrate the day of redemption, that they are bringing salvation with them in order to celebrate the day of salvation. They are bringing the real Passover lamb with them to celebrate the Passover is who you and I have with us is so much more important than where we're going. And the reality is just as they had Jesus with them, so you and I today have all of the nature and the fullness of God within us, that He is our Redeemer and He is salvation and He is truth and He is life and He is the healer. Would you and I recognise and realise 
Who were you doing this journey with day in and day out? My second thought was this. Would you and I take an inventory and value who and what we are responsible for? We had people kissing the 1015 service last week over here. As we just value who you're doing this journey with, the loved ones sitting next to you right now, your kids, the ability just to take an inventory and see who God has put around about you, the value that you need to place on them, the the value that God has placed inside of you is that God trusts you implicitly. He's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. He trusts you with His mission, trusts you with His purpose, trusts you with His love, with the gospel, with the great commission, with healing hands to lay hands on the sick. Is that God trusts you? Would you take an inventory of what God has given you and you're responsible for? And then finally, on this journey through life, is that we're either journeying with Jesus or towards Jesus or away from Jesus. Is here the the parents of the Son of God, their natural responsibility on earth, they lose the Son of God. You don't wanna lose the Son of God. How, How on earth could you lose the Son of God? And they just haven't lost Him for a moment. They've gone a whole day's journey away is that every step that they are taking, they are moving away from the presence and the power of God as they leave that great city of Jerusalem. I think the greatest tragedy out of this account and this story is they lost Jesus and they did not even know that He was missing. They continue on the journey without Him. And so let's pick up this story. I'm gonna share a few more thoughts with you around this passage. And so when they did not find Him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking Him. And now so it was that after three days they found it. You, you imagine mum and dad losing your kids for like three or four days. Like wow, yeah, that's wow. You lost the Son of God for three or four days. I find it so easy. We can bring judgment to them, but how easy is it for us to lose Jesus? And we didn't even know that he was missing. They found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to him and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. And then he came down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all of these things in her heart and verse 52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and favour with God. The title of my message, it's time to turn. It's in the turning. Is I found that turning moments change us and turning moments shape us. Is that turning moments are pivotal moments in our lives. And the direction in which we turn can either have positive or negative outcomes for our lives. And here in this account, they lose Jesus. So they are taking steps away from His presence. They come to the place where they cannot find Him amongst the the caravan that they're travelling with. And so they turn around and they go back to find Jesus. They go back to find the presence and the power of God. What what are you and I to do when we realise that we have lost Jesus? Well, there must be a turning, a returning, a a fresh seeking of His face, a a repenting. And here the family is saying, we've got to turn around and we've got to go back. We've got to to go and search for Him. And we are not leaving Jerusalem until I find Him. 
I pray that there would be an urgency and a desperation in our hearts. If we've lost a little bit of our grip on Jesus, that there'd be a time, a fresh time of re-engaging with Him that we would grab a hold of Him again, that there would be a turning in our life to look into His face and to follow His will and His also His ways. And so now the parents retrace their steps to locate the Son of God, the Son that they are responsible for. We would normally lose our kids as parents just momentarily, but to lose your child for three or four days, I cannot even Imagine that. I found if you've lost Jesus, you just need to return to where you lost Him. In order to find Him, just return to where you lost Him. Would you retrace your steps back to that place? In order to retrace your steps, there must be a turning and there must also be a returning of our lives. So who's lost in this story? Jesus is, supposed to, is where He is supposed to be. He's in the temple. You would have an expectation He's gonna be there. That's where they left Him. But it's Mary and Joseph, the ones who are misplaced in this story. You see, we are the ones that have to do the turning. We're the ones that need to adjust the journey, our steps in life. We are the ones that need to turn and to seek after Jesus, not because He's lost, but because we are lost without Him. You know, my world means nothing if I don't have Jesus. And so there must become a turning in all of our lives and they turn back. And in the turning, it's not just to find Jesus. A thought out of this passage of Scripture is this. We must turn in order to seek and we seek in order to find. And so it's not just a matter of turning in order to locate Him. No, no, no but we have to locate Him in order to be transformed by Him. And that's the goal of seeking after Him, not that we just have a, the GPS coordinates of the location of Jesus and where He's seated right now. No, no, that we find Him in order that our lives are transformed by Him, that we are transformed from glory to glory to glory. That, that's how spiritual growth takes place. And in order for you and I to grow spiritually, must be this continual turning, this readjusting of our lives to look at the identity, the nature, the character, the truth in the Word of God. And in that turning, God says, I'm gonna transform your life. If you wanna grow spiritually, just keep turning and seeing. Open up the Word of God and you'll see growth, you'll see enlargement, you'll see overflow, you'll see increase come around about your life. You see, all the way through the Word of God, men and women, have been changed simply because they turned. And maybe today you just need to turn. But maybe you've lost Jesus and you didn't even know He's missing. And I love that we also have a Heavenly Father who would turn towards us. Uh, you see numerous times in the New Testament where Jesus turned and faced humanity. I'm reminded of the, the woman with the issue of blood. She had a blood disease for 12 years. She had this desperate cry in her heart, if only I could touch the hem of Jesus as He walks through my village. And she presses through and she touches the hem of His garment. He walks a few steps, He turns, he turns around. I, I love it that Jesus would turn around also for us. And He said this question, who, who touched me? I was like, Jesus, so many people are touching. That's a ridiculous statement. And she acknowledges, I was the one who touched you. And Jesus looks at her after his turn and says, your faith has made you well. I wonder if you and I need to turn all the way through the Word of God. Men and women have turned and lives have been changed. Revelation uh, chapter one, it says this about John. 
one of the great disciples of Jesus. He's now like 92 years of age. He's in the, on the island of Patmos in exile. And he says these words. He says, then I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. So here John turns at a time where he is in exile. He's in imprisonment. And here when you and I turn, is that God's voice becomes so much clearer to you and I. When you and I turn, not only does His voice come clear, is that also our eyesight, our vision becomes, comes with greater clarity. Is that He turns to hear the voice of God, but now He turns and He sees seven golden lampstands and then it goes into this incredible vivid picture of the resurrected Christ and what He looks like. For you and I, would there be a turning in our lives to hear the voice of God with clarity and after hearing His voice, He gives us our next steps with even greater clarity. In Exodus chapter three, is that Moses has an encounter with God as there is a burning bush and it says this in Exodus chapter three, then Moses said, I will now turn aside. I wonder where you need to turn. And see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned to look aside, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I is for you and I in moments of turning in our lives is that God knows your name. (laughs) He knows who you are. And after this moment of Moses turning is that God put him on mission. God put him on purpose in his life. I pray that there'd be turning moments in our lives that would reignite mission around about our hearts. 1 Peter chapter three and verse 11, it says, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. You see, it's in the turning that our direction and our purpose also changes. In the book of Acts 17 and verse six, it says, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason. There's a biblical name I've never heard of before. <laughs> Any pregnant mums looking for a biblical name? Jason, it's like, that's such a cool name. They dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. When you and I turn to Jesus, the result of that is that we can turn our world upside down or right side up. If there's ever a time where the world needs to turn, it's in this moment and it's the church of the living God to readjust, to turn again to put our trust and our confidence in God in order that the world around about us can be turned. Is that we serve a God who is a turnaround specialist. He's turned my life around, He's turned your life around. He's a turnaround specialist, He turns darkness into light, He turns death into life. He turns our mourning into dancing, our sorrow into joy, our unforgiveness into forgiveness. (laughs) our fear and anxiety into peace. He's a turnaround specialist. And I, I wonder today where you just need to turn. Do you need to turn and look at him again? Verse 47, it says, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. My thought out of this passage is, would you and I take responsibility for our actions? When his parents found Jesus after this three or four days, the frustration is evident. (laughs) 
And Mary says to Jesus, why have you done this to us? I've said that to my kids many times, the frustration at different times about what they have done. But there should be no frustration in Mary's heart here because Jesus wasn't the one that left them. Is that they were the ones that left Jesus. They had to return back to find Him, but I find it funny that often we blame God for our wanderings. And here, Mary is saying, why have you done this to us? Why have you wandered from us? No, 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 He never wandered from us and that's not the nature of the character of God is that God never drifts from us, but yet we can drift from Him. Is that God never creates any distance between our relationship, but at times you and I can place distance between our relationship. Is that at times we have a tendency to blame God for our negligence. There's times I blame God for my financial situation at different times, my health situation and things going on in my family. You know what? Now we have to take responsibility for our actions. We have to be responsible for them. Take responsibility for them. And not just take responsibility for our actions, but take responsibility for also our inaction. Times where we haven't defended the truth of the Word of God. Times where we haven't stood up for that person. Times where we haven't you know, gone and, and, and executed what God has asked us to execute, to, to bless someone else, to mow their lawn, to, do a, you know, to create some food for them. Is that we have the responsibility for our actions and also any inaction in our life. And it goes on and says, uh, we've searched for you anxiously. I pray that your search for Jesus would never be an anxious search. It'd always be a search of peace, a search of confidence that if you seek, you are gonna find Him. If you knock, the door is gonna be open to you. It's not an anxious search. It's a, a search that must go on. It's a turning that must take place, but don't allow it to be an anxious search because I found in our greatest drama is that Jesus is always calm. When we are anxious, He is the Prince of Peace. When our feet are on shifting sands, He is the immovable rock. When we are hopeless, He is full of hope. When we are empty, He is always full. When we are lost, He can always be found. Would we exchange our drama for His calm, our anxiety for His peace, our insecurity for His firm foundation, our hopelessness for His hope, our emptiness for His fullness and our lostness for His foundness? Would you and I take responsibility for our actions and also our inactions? Verse 49. And Jesus said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the the statement that he said to them. These words here of Jesus, these are the first recorded words ever out of the mouth of Jesus in in the Word of God is he's spoken thousands of words in the, in the 12 years of his life. But these are the very first words that now are a reference point for us in the Word of God. 12 years of age, he says to his mum and dad, I must be about my father's business. My thought around this passage is we must have an obedient shift. There must be a shifting in our obedience. And Jesus says to his mum and dad, I must be about my father's business. Mary just said previously, behold, your father and I have been searching for you with anxiety in our hearts. But Jesus says, why are you looking for me? I must be about my father's business. That this incident is not disobedience on the part of Jesus and nor is it highlighting that Mary and Joseph are irresponsible parents but this moment in time is a shifting in obedience. Where Jesus is saying, Mum and Dad, I love you. 
and I'll obey you. But today there's a shift taking place is that I have to be about my Father's business. Is that I have to be more obedient to His voice than I am to your voice. And not that I'm gonna not be under your authority because later on it says that Jesus subjected Himself to His parents. And so it's not a place of dishonour, it's now a, just a shifting in obedience, just letting mum and dad know is that I've gotta be about my dad's business and so whatever my father wants me to do, I've gotta execute his will. And for all of us, there must be times where we have a shifting in our, in our obedience. So as I've sat with people and met with so many people around, if we talk about obedience and disobedience, sometimes the highest level of obedience we ever get to as human being is outcome-based obedience. It is that we perceive a particular outcome that we want in our life and therefore we will make decisions and we'll be obedient in order to see that outcome come to pass because it's beneficial to our lives. But yet if we see that outcome as a negative or we might take a hit out of it, standard, you know, on the Word of God, is that we'll have a tendency not to be obedient to that because it potentially may have a negative outcome on my life. And God said, I don't want you to have just a, an outcome-based obedience. I, want, I don't want obedience just based upon you, you, your preferred outcome taking place, my preference, because I found that my preference is not always right. But God said, hey, would you have a shifting in your obedience from outcome-based to obedience that's grounded and rooted in the Word of God, that's grounded in truth. And if there's one thing that is affecting the world today, it's truth. There is confusion within the church and outside of the church as to what is truth. Where we have governments even across the world setting up you know, departments of disinformation, of trying to combat other stories from going out into the marketplace, whether they're true or not true, but governments setting up departments of, to, to handle misinformation the governments are now gonna control what truth goes out there. Pilate said 2,000 years ago, what is truth? And today there is this greatest battle for truth and there requires a shifting in our obedience. And the only way obedience can come is if we know the truth of the Word of God. And I, I'm deciding this year is I'm gonna stand upon the truth of the Word of God more than I ever, ever have in my life. Why? Because there's a world outside here that needs to know the truth of the Word of God. As a parent, I'm not gonna shift my truth based upon my child shifting truth, where the shifting stands. I'm gonna stand in the truth that I know and the truth of the Word of God and put my hand around them, my arm around them and says, I love you, but this is where I stand. I will do the journey with you, but I just wanna let you know my truth is so often now is that parents are changing their truth to suit their child's choices. That, that we cannot be parent-led by our children's. We've got to hold true to the Word of God and truth is being shaken right now. And I pray as a church, we'd always stand upon the truth of the Word of God. And no time more so than now that we have to be in that place. I, I remember a time when the um, same-sex marriage bill was being debated. We got so many pieces of correspondence back to us as a church as our stand on that. I remember one email from a, a lady came through to me, just a young lady, she was in her mid-20s and she was in a same-sex relationship and so she just, we, she had a conversation there and after we had gone back and forth a couple of times, I just said to her, why don't we catch up and have a chat? I'd love the opportunity to talk to you and with you and she said yes. 
And so Nadine and I went and met with her at a bakery down at West End. I've got to say, at the end of that hour, it was like probably the most life-giving conversation I've had in a long, long time. As I talked to her about my truth and she talked to, about her truth. And at the end of that conversation, we could put our arms around each other, hug each other and say, thank you so much you know, for the conversation. Is You know what, we, we need to get very good at engaging humanity. Jesus says in John chapter one that He came full of grace and full of truth. Is that we have gotta be dispensers of grace and also truth. If we just dispense truth, that is harsh and that is wrong. But we have gotta get the mix perfectly right that there's grace that flows and there's truth also that flows as in that place Jesus did it perfectly as He delivered grace, but He also delivered the truth. Would you and I allow there to be a shifting in our obedience? And then it goes on, verse 49, it says, He said to them, why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my Father's business? But they did not understand the statement which He spoke to them. My final thought is this, is we must be about our Father's business. You see, the, the understanding of who Jesus was shaped His life, His actions, His priorities. The understanding of who you and I are as sons and daughters of God must shape our life, our action and our priorities. He says, you know what, mum and dad, I just gotta be about my dad's business. And we can say, well, he was the son of God. He's gotta be about his father's business. No, 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 you and I, you and I are sons and daughters of a living God. There's gotta be a determination in our hearts. We're gonna be about his father's business. I wonder what that looks like for you. I'm not saying you need to change vocation or anything like that. Let everything you and I do be unto the glory of God. If we can glorify God in everything, these work of these hands do, every word that comes out of our lips can bring glory to God. But I wonder what it is the Father's business is for you and for I. As Jesus put it so clearly 18 years later, he's now at 30 years of age, he walks into the temple. Someone hands him the book of Isaiah and he opens up the pages of the book and he reads this. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed. 18 years later, he's now reading out what the Father's business actually looks like. 12 years before, 18 years before, 12 years of age, I've gotta be about my Father's business. Would you let it grow? Whatever God has placed inside of your life, would you just let it grow? Would you let it grow? It may look small, it may look insignificant back there. It may look like it's only 12 years of age, but would you allow increase in growth, in favour with God and mankind and wisdom and your life? He hits 30 years of age and says, you know what? This Word is being fulfilled before you right now. Is what I spoke 18 years ago is coming alive today. Don't despise what God has placed inside of you. Don't belittle it, don't compare it, allow it to grow because it must be about my Father's business. We all just stand to our feet for a moment. Come on, would there be a turning? Turning to seek Him, a turning to find Him would be, take responsibility for our actions and inactions would be, be in a place where we allow the shifting of obedience to come. God, whatever your will is, whatever your desire is, that's what I'm gonna obey, that's what I'm gonna do. The challenge is I wonder what the Father's business looks like for you. And this whole story ends in verse 52, it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature 
and in favour with God and in favour with man. This morning, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for you as an individual, as a family, for your business, everything the work of your hand touches, that there would be increase. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. And if Jesus could increase in those four areas, Your desire is exactly the same for us, that we would increase in stature, that we would stand and we would grow to what You want us to grow into. That we'd increase in wisdom to, to rightly deal with what You've entrusted to us and You've given us so much. You trust us with so much. Give us wisdom to navigate our daily steps. And Father, I prophesy favour, the favour of God. Where the Psalmist says, because You favoured us. <laughs> the favour of God over your life. The favour of God. The favour of God. Not because You're a favourite. It's just who He is. It's His nature. It's the character. It's His preferential treatment. It's His VIP status. It's the blessing over your life that you can't manufacture, that only can be given by a heavenly Father. Prophesying the favour of man around your life as you engage humanity, you'll just have favour. In your business negotiations, you'll have favour. At your workplace, you'll have favour. At university and school, you'll have favour. As you bump into humanity, you will just see the favour of God. Father, I prophesy it today. And Father, I don't prophesy just enlargement for that we could say we've been enlarged by God. No, that God, that Your Kingdom would be enlarged. That over City of Point Church, we prophesy enlargement and increase in influence. So Father, we thank You today. Increase, overflow, enlarge the miraculous because who we have with us is more important than where we're going, the fullness of who you are. And with every eye closed, I just wanna ask you a question. Jesus had many must statements. He said here, I must be about my Father's business. In John 3, He said I, that you must be born again. He said, I must preach the Kingdom of God. I, I must die and be raised again. There were so many musts that He had. But the must that He spoke to you and I that we must be born again, it's not meaning a second birth, natural birth, but it can only be one of those, but there can be a, there's another birth available to humanity after that. Because when Jesus came and day laid down His life and rose again, is that we now have the opportunity, the ability to make a decision to follow Him, to come into relationship, that we'd no longer be dislocated or disconnected from Him, but we could have this vibrant relationship with Him. You must be born again. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I, I've lost Jesus and I, I didn't even know it. And today's just a day where you need to turn and come back to Him. Maybe today is a day where you have never made this decision. You'd never turn to look into the fullness of who God is. But today the opportunity is there for you to be born again, not because of anything you've done, but because everything that Jesus has done for you. And so maybe you're here today and you say, hey, Mike, would you please pray for me? I need to turn and look to Jesus. So I maybe need to return and start relationship again. I'd love to pray for you and pray with you. And if you're like that today, you say, hey, Mike, I just need Jesus. I'd love you right now just to shoot up your hand so I can pray for you and acknowledge those ones I'm praying for today. If you just need Jesus today, even online today, just press that button there, just letting them know that we're making a decision. I'd love to pray for you. Let's look across this auditorium one more time. Is there anyone that says, oh, I've lost Jesus. I just need to re-establish relationship with Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word today. And Father, even there may be ones who are on a journey, a decision to seeking You and defining You. 
And I thank You in that place of turning. In the turning, there'll be a reshaping. In the turning, there'll be a change. In the turning, there'll be an encounter with God, with Your power and with Your presence. And Father, for ones even today, Father, where they acknowledge that, oh, I need to turn back and find Him. I thank You for the courage for them to do that. Because in the turning, they'll find the fullness of who You are. And we give You thanks in Your wonderful, wonderful Name. And we all said, Amen and Amen. Well, thank You so much for being in church. Don't forget next Sunday is Mother's Day. Look forward to seeing you in church. God bless you. Have a great week.